0: Hey there, welcome to Business Breakthroughs. I'm your host, Neil DiPantino. So happy you could be with us today. I have a wonderful guest with us. I think you're going to really enjoy. She's a speaker, an author, a C-suite coach and strategist. Uh, from Zeal of the Heel, from Jefferson City, Missouri, please welcome to the show, Dr. Cynthia Benson Mercer. Thank you for coming to the show today, Cynthia. Thank Appreciate you for having
1: here. me, Neil. I'm excited to be with you.
0: Absolutely. Fantastic. uh, We've spent a little time offline kind of chit-chatting a little bit about everything from the weather to, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, you have a very interesting background. And, uh, you know, I think that I've learned a little bit about you in a few minutes that we've been able to spend together. Uh, But I think our audience would like to know really who Cynthia really is.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Um, So Midwest, a girl um, at heart, but um, I've lived most of my years of life in Southern California. Um, So I think uh, why that's important is I think it was pretty formative. My my parents uh, moved to Southern California right after I was born. And when I was 12, we moved back to a tiny little town, Russellville, Missouri, of 500 people. So I went from Orange County, Southern California to Russellville, Missouri, so that was um, significant culture shock and we uh, moved to a farm of all things um, and went to middle school high school and college in Missouri and then as soon as I graduated college I migrated back to the west coast. And, um, while I have a broadcasting and film undergrad, so I saw myself retiring Barbara Walters and, and pursuing journalism, I kind of fell into business. I, I had to pay the bills and, um, and I sort of fell in love with just business in general. I loved leadership. I loved negotiating deals. I loved the, the pace of things and, um, really kind of never looked back, um, Landed accidentally in human resources and uh, had an opportunity about 13 years ago to move back to the Midwest. And so um, kind of full circle, came came back home and um, living in Jefferson City now, which is another small town.
0: Well, it's a little bit bigger than Russellville, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, state, state capital, right, if I'm not mistaken. That's
1: true. There's all of wow. about 30,000 people, I think. So, nice. but yes, it's bigger nice. than 35- Russellville.
0: 30,000 really good people.
1: That's exactly right. Most of whom I'm related to. Oh, well, yeah, I understand (laughs) that.
0: (laughs) Oh, man, it's funny. Um, So Zeal of the Heel, Uh, you got to explain the name of your business.
1: So um, about a year ago, um, I I have long thought about writing a book. And for me, the book in my mind was always about helping women um, in business because I kind of felt like I had made enough of the mistakes, had enough of the wins, many of them accidental, that, that it would be an opportunity to give back. And so for 20 years, I've had this this idea. And, and the working title was Climbing the Corporate Ladder Without Breaking a Heel. And so when I finally a year ago decided, you know, now's the time to do this, and I, and I asked um, a friend and colleague and, and mentor to co-author with me, I I couldn't let go of this heel idea and this notion of really helping women. And so the book title that we ultimately wrote, they abandoned the whole heel idea. Um, I guess smarter minds prevail in that that, uh, area. But we felt that our entire business model was really around helping women and those who love them uh, and care about them and support them to advance their careers. And so, zeal is energy; it's momentum; it's vibrancy. And how do we put that sort of energy, momentum, and vibrancy toward moving forward and uh, moving those feet along um, in our in our professional careers? So that's the that's the backdrop.
0: Well, you talk about that's interesting, and you talk about yeah, you know, you've been doing. You've been in the business world for what twenty-some odd years, uh, and you talk about being the youngest and only female on uh, executive teams that were pre- predominantly uh, in male-led industry. So, I mean, what were some of the key things that you faced during that time, and how did you overcome them?
1: Yeah, and you know, clarifying. So it's it's been a thirty-five year career, and um, of the last probably four years, I was no longer well, I hadn't been the youngest in a little while. Um, anymore, but uh, still the only female up until only a few years ago, you know. For, I I think it can be very isolating, and I and I think here's the thing, um, and it's and it's not about men bad, women good, or society's bad, or what have you. It's really about um, statistically, as women continue to grow in their careers in many organizations, in many industries, it becomes very male dominated. And that was, that was certainly my experience. And so, you know, there's imposter syndrome that comes along with that. Walking into a room of all male executives as the only female and the youngest in the room, you really start to question, do I belong here? Am I smart enough? Am I capable enough? And so kind of getting out of your own way, Um, not that those things are even being put upon you as much as it's that internal voice that's sort of questioning, um, your value and your worthiness of, of being at the table. And so that can feel isolating. And the, the other thing is, you know, men are by nature, very fraternal. Um, and so I found, and I find that the women we studied have found, there's lots of opportunity for camaraderie and they really enjoy that, whether it's golfing or fishing or in my neck of the woods these days, hunting, um, you know, they're not exactly inviting the only female executive on the team to go with them for a weekend away to go fishing or hunting or or golfing, even if I had an interest. Um, and so, so you, you have to think differently and work differently about how you find that sense of belonging and, what I would offer is we have to take that on because those dynamics are not changing overnight. So, so we have to figure out how do we create that sense of inclusion and belonging.
0: So is that what you mean by uh, your vision for workforce cultivation? Is that, that kind of what that all is all, all about?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's statistically true that companies that have more diversity in all shapes and forms um, are more successful financially. There, there's a benefit of having men and women represented at the table. There's a benefit of having different race, ethnicities, background, ages, et cetera, represented at the table. We bring that frame of reference. And again, you know, the data is really clear. It makes us better and stronger as an organization. So to create those cultures and to cultivate that, you have to start earlier in the process. You have to start with. The um, individuals that have an aspiration for leadership, that have an aspiration for management, and start to really cultivate the culture there so that you have more individuals um, accelerating, you know, to those higher, higher positions.
0: How do you find people who have the kind of, uh, you know, desire? I mean, I, you know, they, they, do they just come out of the woodwork and say, hey, look, and I have, I'm interested in being a leader? Uh, or you actually find them and cultivate them, you know, through the uh, through you know their employees, or how, how does that all come about?
1: I think it's both. Um, you know, one of the things that we find is that women and minorities in general don't tend to put their aspirations into the universe as much as our male counterparts, um, in particular our white male counterparts. Um, it's it's a lot about just how we've been. Um, in terms of cultural and social norms. Men are, you know, putting out their, their desire for promotions and, and aspirations and so on. And oftentimes because women over index on performance or feel the need to master something before they would apply, right. Is that, you know, we're so busy head down, taking care of everyone around us, trying to master the thing in front of us that we at times, miss those opportunities. So to answer your question, it's twofold. One is organizations can create environments that invite that. Um, Companies have employee resource groups, women's employee resource groups, where they invite women that say, hey, if you have an aspiration to continue to grow in leadership or what have you, come be a part of this and let us help pour into you and invest in you and develop you. Um, That's how I think organizations foster that. What we then do from a person-by-person person perspective is help women to share their voice, to say, put that into the universe. If you have those aspirations, people aren't mind readers. Tell somebody about it.
0: Right, right. So you're just kind of twofold. You, you're you talking about the actual person has those type of aspirations, but then also uh, the company has to be open to... Um, you know, the wanting to, right. you know, have cultivate cultivate that change and, and, and inclusion and that type of thing. So, what is your process in working with a company to, um, you know, get them to think along those lines and to act along those lines?
1: Yeah. So, I typically, from an organizational development perspective, um, oftentimes we're working with CEOs that are reaching out to us um, through some other referral or they've seen us speaking at an association meeting or what have you. Um, and so they bring us in because they're, they're motivated to create that type of environment. Um, we really get pulled in, uh, rather than trying to insert ourselves in an environment. You have to have the appetite, um, you know, to, to make those kinds of cultural changes or impact. And then we often just start with looking at what are their succession plans? What is the makeup of their leadership team? How are they creating opportunities for, um, all individuals to um, to move through their ranks of manager, leader, etc. How are they considering their recruitment processes? Are their recruitment processes um, bringing in diverse candidates, or are they um, insular and and they're not necessarily reaching a diverse population? When you look at the numbers, we start a lot with data. What is the what is the makeup of the geography? What is the makeup of the organization? Um, and what are their end game? What what are they hoping for? And so from there, we can really plug in and figure out where do we begin to create a path for more people to have the tools and skill set and opportunities.
0: Okay, so um, I mean that sounds reasonable to me. Um, now, you know, I'm, I'm old school, I've been in business now for over 40 years uh, myself, and so I've seen a lot of change over the years. Do you think, I mean, do you see changes, are things getting uh, better, getting, you know, more inclusive as time goes on, or is that still a struggle?
1: I wish it, I wish I could say I think it's changed a lot. Um, you know, the reality is that there remains a 17% wage gap between men and women, for like positions and only 10 percent of the fortune 500 ceos are women yet women are outpacing men in the in the workplace in terms of the number of females to males and women are outpacing men in advanced degrees. So at some point we have to we have to pull back and say, what is holding back? Why are we thinning out in terms of the diversity as individuals reach those vice president and above levels? Um, and how do we remove those barriers? And so our approach really is less about um, focusing on what's broken and focusing on um, the negative. Our focus is on how do we engage self-agency? How do we create more intentionality around career advancement? And then how do we actualize that potential? So we're really focusing on at an individual level. How do you create the space to be more ready for and available to opportunities as they as they come and have your head up and looking forward instead of down, hoping for the best?
0: Okay, so you talk about the uh, now- near next mythology is that that's what that's all about right
1: that's what that's
0: all about <laughs> <laughs> I happen it.
1: to have a prop
0: <laughs> oh well you know just happen to have one sitting right here next to where did right. that come from right <laughs> exactly imagine
1: that <laughs>
0: well fantastic well it sounds like I mean obviously we've had changes through the years and things I mean from the time that I started that business to now uh, you know have improved uh, tremendously but there's still a lot of work to be done and uh, yeah I know with my company we, we look at the Person. We don't look at you know anything else. We, if the person is qualified, we want that person to be within our organization. That's the only way we can grow. And I think other companies should look at it the same way, right?
1: Agree. Agree. And, and to that end, think about that from the perspective that if, if women are waiting to master and tick 10 out of 10 boxes to apply for something, but men are willing to say, hmm, "I tick three or four out of the ten boxes that Neil's looking for." I can fake it till I make it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride on my potential. So what we know is that women and of, oftentimes aren't even putting themselves out there. So you're disadvantaged because you're not seeing, in some cases, candidates that you would say, "Yeah, that's the right person," but because women are are. Um, fearful, there's risk, there's fear of failure, they're juggling lots of things and so they're not necessarily thinking about themselves okay. as a priority in that equation. And again, that's why we take it on from a how do we internalize and equip ourselves to be part of that competitive landscape and and help organizations have those opportunities to see what we what we can bring to the table and and be on equal footing with the male counterparts that are going, yeah, I think I can, I think I'll figure it out on the job. And right. they probably do. And so could the women that already tick eight out of the 10 boxes.
0: So how do so we talk about how we can, uh, you know, get businesses to think more progressively and, and then more inclusively in our thing. But how do you over, how do you, as a woman, how do you overcome that kind of thing? I mean, it's, it can't be easy.
1: No, it's not, it's not easy and it's a journey, but w- we start with, really, you, you mentioned the now near next methodology. And and for me, I think I'm very convicted to the methodology because we've found, I personally found it to be um, proven success. But basically the, the through line, if, if you just want to, what's the, the, the main point? It's no matter what you're doing today, continue to do what you're doing with excellence. However, identify your next career milestone, whatever that is in a time frame that makes sense for you and start working on it now not when the kids go off to kindergarten not when the older children graduate college not putting it off putting yourself on the priority list and saying i'm doing what i'm doing now and i'm going to do it with excellence but my next aspiration is this certificate the certification this degree this promotion whatever it might be and what can you do now even if it's only 7 minutes a day what can you do right now to start inching toward that goal? And then as you get closer to it, you start to accelerate that so that you have a blueprint. You have, you have a path that says, I'm going at the pace that makes sense for me, but I'm making forward momentum every single day, not later.
0: So as a man, how do we support the women in our lives to help them to understand that whole concept that you just talked about?
1: I love that question so much. I think it's a couple things. We talk about boundaries um, in the first uh, portion of our book, which is, you know, we take on, as women, we take on a lot. And statistically, we still take on the lion's share of the household uh, responsibilities, whatever those might be, depending on whatever type of, you know, season of life you're in. And, and, most of us do it because we want to. it's not as though it's you know thrust upon us or burden it's it's because it's how we're wired and we want to and we want to take care of the kids or the spouse or the significant other or whatever's going on in our world um, but we really encourage women to create boundaries and find time to invest in themselves that it's to unapologetically guilt-free invest in themselves. and so I think what, I think what our male counterparts in the business world, in our home life, et cetera, is to really empower the women around you to say, how are you investing in you? Where are you carving out time that's uniquely for your benefit that you can go do that guilt-free, unapologetically? Um, and and helping to make space for that and making that okay. And then the second thing I would say is... Um, Inviting them to share their aspirations and put a plan toward it and not put it off that that Even if it's little baby steps to be doing something toward their aspirations rather than feeling like they have to wait till everybody else around them Is where they need to be before I can before I can pour into myself. It's that whole put your mask on first
0: Yeah That's amazing. I love that. That's a great answer. I love uh, everything that you've said so far uh, has been just like spot on. I appreciate that. Um, We are getting kind of close to the end of our time together. uh, And so I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about your book, Now Near Next. So let's talk a little bit about the book, what it's all about. And uh, and we'll talk about where we can get our hands on it as well.
1: Absolutely. Neil, thank you for that. So yes, Now Near Next, um, a practical guide for uh, mid-career women to move from professional serendipity to career advancement. When we think about mid-career, one of the things that we found in our research is it's really long. So think of it like three decades, 28 to 58. You're past that sort of emerging climb and you're before the encore career um, the post, you know, professional grind—it's that big, long time in between, and we found that women get very restless. And when we unpack why are they getting restless, it's because they don't necessarily feel like they've lived into all of their potential. And so, in in essence, we cover we cover three big steps: one, energize your self agency, make space and time to invest in you, and really understand what that means. The step, second step or the, the middle of the book is really about what should be your next, how do you make sure it's fulfilling, and that it's going to be something that is going to give you a lot of satisfaction and joy and still make money at it. And then the last uh, section is on building a network and an infrastructure around you. How do you make sure you have supporters and mentors and coaches um, and resilience and that you're pouring into your whole self? So that is in essence, is is the book. I, we are finding it's resonating with men as well, as they are asking the great question that you asked earlier in terms of how they support the women in their life, their wives, their sisters, their daughters, their colleagues, etc. cetera. Um, it's available with a lot of bonuses right now. So our publication date is March 19th. But if you purchase the book on our website, www.zealoftheheel.com. We have $600 of free training and education that comes with the $28 purchase of the book, or you can put, purchase it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or wherever books are sold. And, um, all of the books that are going in pre-sale, as long as we're aware of it, we are honoring those, uh, those bonuses. And so we're hoping that you buy it for yourself and for the incredible women in your life and, and honor them by giving them time to invest in themselves.
0: Outstanding. I appreciate that. So we're getting to, again, we're getting to the end of our time together. Can you give me any final thoughts you'd like to leave our audience with?
1: I just think that uh, if you're women out there listening, look up, look forward, and think about what your next is, start working on it today. And if you're one of the wonderful male listeners, um, love up and honor the women around you by giving them that space to do the same.
0: Fantastic. And if our audience would like to get in contact with Cynthia, find out more about you, more about Zeal of the Heel, how do they go about doing that?
1: So www.zealoftheheel.com is our website. We're on all the socials under Zeal of the Heel, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And we would love uh, love to hear from your audience and engage with them.
0: Sounds great. Cynthia, thank you so much for being a guest. You were wonderful.
1: Thank you so much. It was so nice of you to have me.
0: Absolutely. Hey, that's all we have for today. So thrilled that you could be with us. Business Breakthrough is sponsored by Titan Media Works. Check us out at titanmediaworks.com. That's works spelled W-O-R-X. And check out all of our other great hosts on the Small Business Deliver Network at smallbusinessdeliver.com. Until next time, have a great day. Look forward to seeing you. Thanks. Bye-bye.